And we're starting off this series on love, the summer love, and, and, and the world is fractured, the world is broken, the world is hurting, and uh, God has created us for a relationship with Him, and, and tonight, I mean this morning as we, we, we talk about a passage of scripture, I hope that the Lord will speak to your heart, and you'll know how much He loves you, and how much He desires a relationship with you, and if you're walking close with Him, how precious that is, and if you're not, that this morning, you'll hear him say, come home, welcome home. Um, let's look at the scripture real quick. It comes out of Luke 15. Luke is a powerful, uh, this section in Luke is a powerful passage. The whole chapter deals with this one kind of theme that I think we'll, we'll unpack this morning, um, but it's in, in the midst of a, a parable that Jesus tells that we call the prodigal son. And a very familiar passage, but I pulled out this section. It says, but when he, the the young boy, came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, and I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead has come to life again. He who was lost has been found, and they began to celebrate. So Jesus, the context of this, Jesus has a multitude of people surrounding him. And Luke tells us in verse 1 of of chapter 15 that there's sinners that are there, folks that aren't morally pure, folks that uh, made poor decisions, folks that um, are looked down upon in society. He uses tax collectors as one of the descriptive words, and y'all know if you've been in church a lot and people have talked about tax collectors, these are Jewish individuals who are working for Rome, and they're taking the taxes that these folks owe to Rome, but they're also tacking on as much as they want to pay themselves for being the ones who collect the taxes to give to the Roman Empire. So sometimes they're very abusive with that because they've got Rome to back them up And if you don't pay what they tell you to pay, then they can have you thrown in jail. So some of these folks are very greedy uh, from what we read in history. And and let's say your tax is $1,000, they might charge you $1,500 and pocket $500 for themselves. So the other folks in the nation of Israel didn't care much for them because they were taking advantage of their brothers and sisters with Rome at their back. So Luke says these tax collectors and sin, sinners were hanging around Jesus. They loved to be around him. They, they, they hung on every word. They, they enjoyed his presence. And then not only were there sinners hanging around Jesus, but the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And these were men that said, you know what? I believe what God says in the Old Testament, these restrictions, these, these commandments, and, and to em, embrace those and do those, I'm going to tack on even more to make sure I don't, don't mess up. So if the line here that you cross is sin, they draw the line way back here. So if you, for, one, for one example, is they, uh, there was a ceremonial way to cleanse yourself before you came into the temple or before you ate. 
and they tacked on all these extra things about washing your hands a certain way and for so long and all this kind of stuff. And, and so that's what they did. They were very religious. They were very uh, uh, strict in their adherence to the Old Testament laws, and they were very passionate about that. And so one time Jesus is walking through a grain field with his disciples, and the disciples were hungry, so they take some of the grain, and they rub it between their hands, and they eat it, and the religious leaders are watching this, and they, they fuss at Jesus. Why aren't your disciples washing their hands like the tradition of the elders commanded us to do? which was things they attacked on. God didn't say you have to do that before you ate something, but they did. And so these Pharisees are, are there watching Jesus and watching how he interacts with these folks, and they're like, you know, why do you, why do you hang out with them? And there, there were scribes that were there, and these, these are the men that would copy the Old Testament, what we call our Old Testament scriptures. And they were very, very passionate about the Word of God, which we should be, and they made sure every single thing was copied exactly correctly. So, so these folks were so in love with God and their own understanding of God, and, and they were so passionate about following God that they're judging Jesus for hanging out with sinners. So this is the context. So that's all these people around Jesus. So he starts talking to him. And he says, you know what? There's a shepherd, had a hundred sheep, and one of them wandered off. And uh, the shepherd left the 99 in open pasture and went looking for the sheep. He searched everywhere. And when he found that sheep, he was so excited. And he took that sheep and put it on his shoulders. And he called his friends together and he called his neighbors and said, hey, celebrate with me because that which was lost is found. So Tamar, he was so excited that they had found his sheep. He was so, so excited. And then he tells another story. And he says, you know, there's a lady who had ten coins, very precious to her. And she looks and she only sees nine. So there's one that's been lost. So she does an all-out search. She lights a lamp. She looks. She sweeps. She finds it. And when she finds it, she's so excited. And she calls her friends. She calls her neighbors. And she celebrates. And after telling those two parables, at the end of each one of those parables, Jesus said this. With the shepherd and the sheep, he said, there's more joy in heaven when one sinner repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. So the sinners are thinking, whoa, so, so God gets excited about me when I come to him? And the Pharisees are thinking, what do you mean God's excited when one of these folks do, you know? And then with the lost coin, he says there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. When one who needs to come to repentance comes. Then he sets the stage for this third parable. We know it as a prodigal son. But for me, on Father's Day, when I think about and I read this and I've read it through the years, it's like what Jesus is doing, I believe he's setting the stage. And he's helping us understand the Heavenly Father and God's heart for you and for me. So he tells a story. You know the story. And uh, I'm going to ask Walker. Where's Walker? Walker, you mind coming up here? Just give Walker a big hand. Walker uh, is going to help me with this illustration. So, Walker, thanks for being uh, willing to do this for me. You're going to stand over here, buddy. So, right here. So, Walker's going to be the prodigal son, okay? And y'all know the story. So, here's Walker. He's the guy that uh, comes to his daddy, and I'm going to be the daddy in the story. And he says, Dad, when you die, I get a lot of money. Mark McGonney translation. So, I'd, I'd like to have that now. So Victoria, guess what the daddy did? He sold all that he had, gave half of it to the son that he, and he had another son, and we find out that was terrible. So now Walker's got all this money. And what he chooses to do is to go to a distant land. So you don't just go to the town next door, buddy. You go way away, because he's got a lot of money. 
And so he has all this money. And it says that he starts spending it, he squanders it in loose living. Now his older brother who's been faithful to his dad at the end of the parable is, is mad at his dad and says, why did you throw this party for, for He was with prostitutes and everything like that. So we kind of get inside of what Walker did, and it wasn't good, you know. So Walker goes to this other country, and he's got all this money, and, man, he's spending it. He's having a great time. You know, he's probably buying the, the, the nicest clothes, and his sandals are, are probably Jordans. I mean, he's just, he's just having a great time, you know. And he goes to the bars, and everybody loves him because he's, he's buying drinks for everybody. I mean, I'm just thinking what he would probably do. He has the fastest camels, you know. He's just, he's just loving, loving, loving it, man. He's got all this wealth. And he's living it up. And people love you because when people are generous with their money, people, Proverbs says you get a lot of friends when, you're, when, you, when you spend your money that way. So you're doing that. And because you squander it, you're, just, you're burning through it so fast. And Jesus says in the story, you come to the end and you got no more money. So Walker's like, whoa, what, what? Man. So you probably have to hock some of your sandals. You probably have to trade in the fast camel for this little donkey or something. I mean, who knows what he had to do. But, but, but then he, he goes through that, and Jesus says there was a famine that hit the land. So now the rain has stopped, crops aren't growing, people are struggling, people are late, getting laid off, and all that reserve that you had that you were taught, now he's got nothing. And, and Walker, now you're starting to look for a job. So he goes to everybody he knows, hey, can I do anything? Can I, can I earn any money? I'm sorry, Walker, I can't, I can't help you, man. We, we're struggling ourselves. He knocks on every door he can. Nobody helps. Jesus said nobody was giving him any help because they were all hurting. So finally what happens is he finds somebody that will employ him. Guess what you get to do? Walker gets to feed pigs. Now, remember Jesus' audience, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Hebrew folks that aren't really walking with the Lord. So in their mindset, 2,000 years ago, when they hear a good Jewish boy is out feeding the pigs, they understand Walker has gotten to the bottom of the barrel because pigs were unclean. They were dietary restricted. You, you couldn't eat. You can't have a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. You couldn't have, you know, a bacon with your, you couldn't have pork chop. God said, don't eat those. Now, now we can eat them. Jesus said, hey, it's cool to eat those things. Just pray for them. You guys open that up for us. Thank goodness, because I love shrimp, you know. <laughs> and that was one of those dietary restrictions. So, so when they hear that Walker's there feeding the pigs, they think, ooh, he's really hit rock bottom. But then Jesus said this, that he longed to fill his stomach with the things that he was feeding the pigs. So, Walker, you are now just so hungry that the things you're, you're feeding them, which is Nothing we would eat. You're like, man, that looks so good. I know there's no corn on this cob, but I would just eat this whole cob. I mean, it's, it's that kind of pain. It's that kind of just being at the lowest. And then he came to his senses, and this is the section that we just read. And he said, you know, I'll go to my dad's. I'll go back home. Because even in my father's house, those who serve my father have more than enough to eat. So Walker, that's what you decide to do, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to go back home. Now, we don't know if he bathed or anything like that. He probably didn't because, you know, when you work with pigs, and that's what he was doing, they didn't have concrete back then that they raised them on like they do today. Pigs kind of make their own mud. You know what I'm talking about? They 
they do what they do and they, they step on it and they, and they like to do what in the mud? Waller, right? Isn't that a fun word to say? We all say that with me on three. One, two, three. Waller. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Waller. Yeah, so the pigs are wallering in the mud and he's feeding them. He's, he's, you probably got mud under your toenails and everything like that. So, so he, he decides to go back home. And when he's going back home, he's rehearsing what he's going to say. He's going to say, you know, Dad, I, I, I've sinned against heaven. and your son. I'm not even worthy to be your son. Just, just make me one of your... So he's, he's, you're thinking that. You're getting, you got that ready? So I'm going to be the dad. So Jesus says that when the father sees him a long way off, he runs to meet him. So I see my boy. And Jesus said he had compassion for him. He felt love for him. So I'm running to meet him. And when I stand face to face with my boy, this impresses me. Because what the father doesn't do speaks volumes. Here's what the father didn't do. He didn't yell at him. Boy, what are you doing home? Okay? God doesn't yell at you, and he doesn't yell at me when we come to him. He doesn't do this. He doesn't put a guilt trip on him, okay? He didn't say, oh, you're back. Well, you know, your mama's been going to sleep every night crying, wondering if you're dead or alive. I just can't believe. He doesn't do that. So when you come to God, he's not going to put a guilt trip on you. Jesus is helping us understand the Father's heart. Then he doesn't give him an ultimatum. Boy, if you're going to be in my home, you've got to do this, this, and you think about doing that, you're gone. You already got two strikes. You're out. He doesn't do that. Sometimes we think when we go to God, he's going to give us an ultimatum. You better do this. You've blown it here because I've seen you do that. You said that. God doesn't do that. And then he doesn't give us a list of do's and don'ts if you're going to be embraced by me, your heavenly father. So the daddy didn't go, all right, well, listen, now that you're back, you got to do this. And if you think about it, no, no. And, and here, I want you to do all this. You, you, you know, you got to prove yourself. The dad doesn't do that. What does Jesus say God does based on this parable for the repentant sinner, for those of us who walk with him that come back? I'm going to hug you. It's going to be all right. This is what he does. The daddy, the daddy runs to him, and he goes, oh, my boy. He gives him a big hug. He hugs him. He kisses him. I'm not going to kiss you. <laughs> he kisses him. He says, welcome home. Now the servants, because the masters run, been running, they're probably falling behind going, oh man, I did not know the master could run that fast. So they finally come up to the master, and he looks at him and he says, put the best robe on him. Put a ring on his finger because he's my son, he's family. Put sandals on his feet. It doesn't mean he, well, I don't like those sandals, you know, you got those in Ethiopia, I don't think they're the best. I want you to get some. No, he prob- you, you probably don't have sandals on your feet. He says, put sandals on your feet. And you know that calf we've been fattening up? Let's kill it and celebrate. Let's have a big party. For my son who is dead is alive. He who was lost is found. Amen? Will y'all help me and thank Walker for coming up here and doing this? Walker, thank you, man. I appreciate it. So that's what Jesus tells us about how the Father responds. How he's going to respond to you every time you and I come to him. In our brokenness, in our pain, in our guilt, in our laziness. Jesus in Matthew 11 says this, verse 28. Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. 
I'll give you rest. God wants us to come to him. God wants us not to go, well, you know, God is holy and I, I have just blown it, which he is holy. And maybe you have blown it. But here's what Jesus tells us. You come to God. Bring that to the Lord. Amen. And he's going to embrace you. He's going to hug you. He's going to look you in the eye and kiss you and say, welcome home. You're my child. You're my child. Now, you might say, Mark, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm doing, I'm doing great. Well, who do you know that needs to hear this message? Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a cousin. Let's pray that God would bring them to their senses. Just like this young man came to his senses. Knowing that you can come to the Lord. Knowing that you can come home. Knowing that God is not going to scold you. He's not going to put a guilt trip on you. He's not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. He's going to love you and embrace you. And after we're restored, then we say, you know what? I want to do this. I need to do this. I'm going to live for God because I love him and he loves me. And it's the right thing to do. Not to earn his love, not to earn his respect, but just because it's the right thing to do. Amen? Amen. I want to thank you guys for being willing to come together at 11 o'clock. We've got folks that worship here in, in the contemporary service. We've got folks that normally worship in our historical sanctuary that we've all come together. So I want to thank you for the willingness to, to do that this week. Um, I'm so excited about being a part of this family, about serving with you and serving alongside of you. Uh, it is a joy to be a part of the family of God. So this morning, as we kind of close things out, I want to remind you that uh, in your order of worship, uh, you got a communication card. And I'd love for you to fill this out and place it in the offering plate when it comes by in just a minute. And if there's somebody you want me to pray with you for, just, just write it down in this little memo here. I'm going to see it. And, uh, and I want us to, to believe God for great things on behalf of that person who's not walking with the Lord. Uh, or maybe you say, Mark, I've come home this morning. Uh, we serve a good God. But if you just want to write me a note, uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, the other staff will see it, Haynes and, and Fran, but, but this will be something that between you and God. Um, if you want to join this church, just like Matt and Anna did today, I'm so glad you guys are part. Um, let me know that. We look forward to talking to you and having a conversation. Um, let's pray together.